As we continue our series, Street Smart Godly Kids, our discussion turns to a forgotten art. Dave starts our study with a review of where we've been and then takes us to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 35 for some down-home sense about how to have a healthy relationship first with God and then with the people living next door and down the street. Now in the book of Proverbs, the father talks to this young son about two major areas. And for the last several weeks, we've been focusing on this evil woman. And I stress again that we've been talking about sexual immorality. In the book of Proverbs, it talks about this seducer, this individual that wants to take this naive young man and get him in all kinds of trouble in the sexual area. And once again, I want to stress to you that the book of Proverbs also pictures wisdom or skillful living as a beautiful woman. In fact, the book of Proverbs will use the natural drive, uh, the interest that a young man has in the opposite sex to kind of picture the kind of drive that the Lord wants him to have for wisdom. Instead of looking at the dangers of sexual immorality, we talked about the kinds of characteristics that you should look for in a woman. Remember the book closes not by saying that women are a trap, but by saying that there's a noble woman who's very difficult to find, who's yet very special. And the book of Proverbs closes by talking about a noble wife, a noble woman who's competent in business, competent in her home. Most of all, she's a woman who her husband can really put confidence in, can really depend upon. And it's very interesting in the book of Proverbs chapter 31, a lot of the attributes of the woman in Proverbs 31 are the attributes of wisdom. In fact, in the Hebrew text, you have one word used after another to bring together a lot of the things that the book says about wisdom. In other words, I want all of you young men to realize that wisdom wants to seduce you in a powerful way, in a good way, into the life of skill. There's an evil, immoral side that wants to seduce you into a life of foolishness. The kind of choices that we make as young people influence who we listen to. The book also talks about another individual that's trying to seduce us, trying to get us involved on the wrong side, and that's this evil man. You remember in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10 and following, we're exposed to a daddy teaching about a life of crime. And we are introduced for the first time in the book of Proverbs to the dangers of living your life for money, to the dangers of thinking that you can build a meaningful structure of life on just material things. If you try to build on that foundation, you're going to end up being immoral. You're going to end up stealing. You're going to end up getting involved in illicit wealth. Now, under the category of this evil man, there are two individuals that express some of the characteristics that this evil man will have. And we talked many weeks ago about the scoffer, the individual that laughs at the kind of wisdom principles that we're talking about in the book of Proverbs. He makes a mockery out of studying the Word of God, a mockery out of trying to apply it. And we also talked about a worse individual, that's the moral dullard, and he just complacently ignores all the wisdom teaching that we've been trying to get across. We're going to return today to trying to appeal to you again to become this kind of an individual. 
The goal is to move from being this naive, uncommitted, open-minded young individual. An individual who hasn't really decided what he wants to do with life. He's open to the appeal of sexual immorality. He's open to the appeal of illicit wealth. The wise parent in the book of Proverbs wants their child to move from being that open-minded, uncommitted person to becoming a man or a woman who's really resting in the hands of God, has decided that they're going to put all their confidence in God. I think all of us need to ask ourselves, where am I along the line of these different individuals? You know, I think it's very easy even to be an adult and yet to still be double-minded. You really haven't decided what you're going to put your confidence in and you kind of vacillate back and forth. The wise man in Proverbs is continuing to appeal to you. And he says, listen, you need to put all your confidence in the Lord. And if you do, you're going to get these kinds of rewards. And we're going to return to the end of Proverbs chapter 3. And let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. And the proverb at the end of this chapter relates back to this idea of an appeal to trust in the Lord completely. When we want to begin at Proverbs 3 verse 21. Verses 21 through 26 relate to this appeal for you to put all your confidence in the Lord. The writer starts out by saying, My son, my child, if he were today, he would be an elderly sage and would look at all of you and say, My children, preserve sound judgment and the ability to make wise plans, which can only come by internalizing the principles of this book. Don't let them out of your sight. And the verbs that are used in this verse relate to don't let them drift away. Don't let these principles drift away. Don't let them out of your sight. Why not? They'll give you life. They will be life for you. An ornament to grace your neck. They will bring beauty and spirit and vitality into your life. Then you will go on your way in safety. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid, and when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. And this reminds us of the end of chapter 1 when wisdom talked about those that do not listen to her appeal, where wisdom talked about the scoffers and the complacent moral dullards and the naive fools who choose not to listen to her. And she talks about the disaster, the whirlwind, the tornado, that comes over their life and destroys them. The wise man, in contrast, will have no fear of that sudden disaster or of the ruin that will overtake the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Now we move in the rest of the chapter some, to some very practical issues, and I will call them neighborhood ethics, how to get along in your neighborhood, how to live skillfully in your neighborhood. He begins by saying, don't withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Don't say to your neighbor, manana, that's the idea. You ever hear that? Oh, manana, tomorrow. And in Hebrew they said, makar, oh, makar, tomorrow we'll do it, okay? Same idea here. Don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow. I'll give it to you. When you have it today, when you could give it to him today, we'll talk about what that means. Don't plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Don't accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Don't envy a violent man. Now we return to this focus on this evil man that you can be tempted to envy. And many of you sit here today and say, well, Dave, that's no problem for me. But it can become 
a problem for all of us. It's the question of why do the wicked people prosper? Many of you have asked the question, listen, I'm a born-again believer. I try to follow the principles of Scripture, but it doesn't work. Disaster comes, comes into my life. I thought the wicked were supposed to get the disasters. And so you begin to envy. You begin to covet the apparent easiness and the success of wicked people. And so the wise man says to you, don't covet, don't envy a violent man. Don't choose any of his ways. It might look like he's really prospering for a time, is the idea, but the Lord detests. This person is an abomination. The Lord is turned over in his stomach over this kind of an individual. But you, the upright, those who choose to follow the Lord, he takes into his secret confidence or secret counsel, you might say. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks the proud scorner. He mocks the proud mocker, but he gives grace to you who are humble. The wise will inherit honor, but fools exalt or hold up shame. The idea, the only honor that a fool can respond to ends up to be a shame. Let's begin by breaking down the passage, first of all, about becoming good neighbors by talking about the rewards of God confidence. Why in the world should you choose to trust in the Lord with all your heart? And the writer basically promises three things if you'll trust in the Lord with all your heart. You'll have a safe trip, you'll have sweet sleep, and you'll be free from fear. Look at it. Verse 21. We begin with the command, preserve sound judgment and the ability to make competent plans. Those are two words which are on other synonyms for the idea of skillful living. The writer will pile up in the book of Proverbs one word after another. And these particular words relate to competency and the ability to make very skillful plans, which according to the book of Proverbs will come to the individual that will really think about and internalize the principles of this book. And it tells you two things, like I mentioned to you earlier. There's a tendency to let these things slide away. You see, in spiritual area, when it comes to applying God's Word, you're not probably going to make a real strong decision. I don't believe that stuff. I don't want to pay attention to the Bible. I don't care what Dave teaches us on Sunday morning. I don't care what I'm reading in my daily quiet time. I'm going to turn away from all that. Most of you will not make that kind of a blatant commitment. Most of you will not do that. On the other hand, what most of us tend to do is we kind of just let it glide away. You see, it's like the skillful principles are on a river and they're floating down the river and it's a tendency to let go of them and they glide right away from us. And it happens slowly. In other words, you just start to be a little bit emotionally disinterested in spiritual things. You become lazy. The summertime is an easy time to do that. Your schedule's all botched up and you're, you're waiting to get back in the groove. And so you just let spiritual things, the principle of skillful living, just ooze away, just kind of drift away. Watch out for that. The writer of Proverbs saying, don't let it drift away. He also says that we need to keep these things constantly before our eyes. And that's a reminder to me, you know, I think it's easy for us to feel, well, I already know that. I've already covered that material. Those principles are just common sense. I think that's one of the illusions of the book of Proverbs. It has the idea, well, everybody knows that. And in a certain sense, all of us do know it. 
because it's written in our conscience. We know this skillful way to live. The tragedy is that we tend to turn our eyes away. We tend to start to look at other things. And the writer is warning us, don't let it drift. Don't turn your eyes off the skillful principles that we're learning. Why not? Because first of all, you're going to have a safe trip if you follow these principles. You will go on your way and safety and your foot will not stumble. Life is dangerous. It's easy to make wrong choices. And if you make a wrong choice at the wrong time, you can really botch things up. Life is a dangerous place to be journeying. It's a dangerous drive. The book of Proverbs is saying this is the driver's manual that will tell you how to do it. And if you follow these principles, you're going to have a safe trip. I've never met a man or woman yet who had a chance to experience a lot of life that followed the principles of the book of Proverbs that really applied it in their life. Not like Solomon. Solomon applied it in his head and knew how to write it on paper. In fact, he was inspired by God to do that. But Solomon didn't live it in his life. And so Solomon's family was all messed up. His personal life was all messed up. And he's a constant reminder that just being able to teach the life of wisdom, whether you're a preacher or an evangelist or a pastor, whatever you might be, just being able to speak wisdom doesn't mean you live it. And if you don't live it, you're not going to be safe. You can fall into disasters, and we've seen that acted out in the Christian world just recently with prominent leaders that taught the right thing, taught skillful principles, and yet didn't apply it in just the everyday Monday morning world. And you're not going to be safe. You're going to trip up if you don't apply it, and if you trip up, it can destroy your whole life. Your life will never be the same. God can forgive but there's still some real serious scars that have to be lived with. And that doesn't mean that it's hopeless. We can thank God for his grace. But the balance of scripture also says, beware not to fall into those pits. God wants you not to stumble. How about your sleep lately? How do you sleep at night? The tendency as you move into, into your mature years is to start having a little trouble. And the reason you start having a little trouble is we start worrying. We start being concerned about the future. As we go through the passages of life, we have to negotiate some very difficult turns. When you get to be about my age and the gray hairs start to appear in your head and you start to feel like, hey, you know, maybe I'm on the bottom side of the curve, which is rather foolish because all of us are always living on the brink. We never know when we're going to go. But in the course of life, we tend to worry about some of those things and we can start to lose sleep. We can also start to worry. The truth of the matter is that some of you worry about real and, and imagined fears. Some of you go to the hospital and visit somebody like, you know, I went to visit somebody that was having a heart condition and uh, they were just, just suddenly had a heart attack, just totally out of the blue. And they tell me, you know, that it started with indigestion. And I've heard that several times. They thought they were having indigestion, so they pumped down the Maalox or the Rolaids. They thought everything would be better. Then that night they caved in got thrown into the ambulance, you know, then they go to the hospital. So you start worrying about that. You have a little heartburn, you know, after you eat your supper, you take some Maalox and you start to worry, is this going to be my heart attack time? And I think some of you can identify with that. The truth of the human species is we tend to worry about everything. The wise man will be free from that dread. You see, if you're trusting the Lord with all your heart, then the worst thing that can happen will only become a doorway 
into the greatest thing that could ever happen. Now, it's easy to talk like that. We need to pray for one another to live like that. But I covet for every one of you the beautiful experience in life to put your head down in a pillow, to be able to say goodnight to your heavenly daddy because through his son, you know that he died for you, his son died for you, his son rose again, and by simple faith you believed in him. So when you put your head on your pillow at night, you know that you're right, that you're justified, that you're forgiven, that all your sins have been put under the blood of Calvary, and you're living obediently to the Lord Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit so you can rest at night. I encourage you to talk to your father at night. Confess those things that have alienated you from fellowship with him during the day. And then trust, believe that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. I want to ask you right now, are you at rest deep in your heart? Are you at peace deep in your heart? Every one of you can be. Because through the blood of Calvary, we can be forgiven. And every one of you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, by a free gift can begin to follow these principles that we've been learning from the book of Proverbs. And then you can have sweet sleep. You won't be worrying about this person finding out that, or man, I blew it there, or you won't be conniving to develop plans about how to get ahead at work because you'll be depending, trusting the only king that's really in control of it all. If you're having insomnia, you need to ask yourself, Am I really living a life of wisdom? Now, there can be some physical reasons that make us have trouble sleeping at night. And I don't want to put you on a guilt trip. There can be just some normal physical problems that you can be having that you need to check with a doctor about. I'm not talking about that area. But there are many, many people who don't sleep well at night because they're not living skillfully. You're uptight. You're worried. You're bothered. And you've never made this decision in life. You've never really just rested in the hands of God. You've never trusted him. You're trusting in your own abilities. You're constantly scheming, constantly trying to work out the way. And you're a basket case. And you don't know the sweet inner gentleness and quietness and peace. And that's something we all have to come back to every single day. You can be worried about what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there. The tragedy there is as you don't trust, as you don't depend, it's like you close your hand in a beautiful rose because you're so uptight. You can't rest in the Lord's ability to keep things under control that you crush the rose. You'll end up crushing the very thing that you want the most. You can do it with your family. You can do it with your church. You can do it with your job. The skillful, wise man of Proverbs has that beautiful inner characteristic of sweet calmness at night. And only the Lord can give you that. And I think we should pray that we'll be able to have that. Some of you, as you grow older, it gets scary. We've got to be honest about those fears. You have family tragedies that come into your life and you worry about your kids. And I could worry so much. I, my life is filled during the week with physical concerns and emotional concerns and people calling me with this need and with that need. How do you handle that? You don't try to be God. You let God be God. I'm just working with the Holy Spirit as just a servant to Him, just to be used by Him. It's His family. 
in my own individual family than throughout the extended church family. That's the kind of dependency, that's the kind of confident trust that the wise man wants us all to enter into. You'll have freedom from fear, verses 25 through 26, talk about the fact that God is going to judge the wicked. Even in this life, wickedness usually catches up with people. Not always. And if it's not in this life, then the scripture tells us in the New Testament that at the great white throne judgment, God will make things right. And I want to share something with you. If you really haven't come to the cross, if you really haven't responded to Jesus personally, and you've never received the gift of eternal life, then you should be afraid of sudden disaster. It's a dangerous thing to be living alienated from God. I want to share something with you. God's not alienated with you. God's not angry with you. In fact, he loves you so much, he died on the cross to forgive you your sins. But you're going to have to come to the place in your life where you admit, in all honesty, without any manipulation, that you need help, that you're a sinner, that you're a bad person without him. And you're going to have to open your life to receive him. And you're going to have to put all your confidence for eternal life in the Lord Jesus. And you can do that even while I'm speaking right now. That inner heart response. Jesus, I do want to put all my confidence for eternal life in you. You don't have to wait. You can do it anytime, place. But it's important that you do it. And I want to stress to you, if you don't do it, then I'm not going to give you any comfort. Because there is a dread that's over your life. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the unrighteousness of men. Covetousness, pride, anger, selfishness, immorality. God doesn't wink at any of that. And if you haven't allowed him to put it under the sacrifice of Christ, then you should be afraid. Because the Old Testament and the New Testament talks about the wrath of God, the dread of God that comes. If you don't know Christ, if you're a wicked person, and if you don't know Christ, we're all wicked people. Until we meet him and let him make us anew, then we're under this fear, under a dread. If you're a criminal, you're afraid of the police. You're afraid of when you're going to get caught. If you're cheating at school, you're afraid of the day of reckoning when you can't cheat and they find out that you don't know the material. You constantly live under this guilt, under this dread, and I want to warn you, God is just. And he will judge sin, either at the cross, and you can be forgiven, or in tragedies of this life at times, and ultimately in hell. It's what the scripture teaches. Now, a lot of preachers don't talk to you like that anymore, but that's a terrible, terrible thing not to talk to people like that. Because this is what my heavenly father really says. The book of Proverbs says if you're walking away from God, if you're walking away from a life of skill, if you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to help you to live according to these principles, you're headed for disaster. And the tragedy is that a lot of people that are doing that, it's like they've taken a moral tranquilizer. They're asleep, they're, either, they're lackadaisical, they think everything is going along well, but it isn't. Tragedy's going to strike. And oh, what a dread it is to face tragedy without God. Our prayer is that none of you will live without God. He wants to be your friend and your savior. His son died and rose again to remove the barriers for you. 
and we want to do everything we can to help you meet him. Please feel free to contact us at mail at truthencounter.com. Be sure to join us next week as Dave continues our discussion on Good Neighbors.